0: Welcome to episode 259 of Destination Linux. With your brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael.
1: I'm Jill. I'm
0: Ryan. And also, just off camera, is piped directly in from Jitsi as our glorious community of fact-checking, ego-busting patrons. On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to dig into the infamous Log4J vulnerability and attacks with our good friend Bo Weaver. And then we're going to discuss the recent Soulless saga and what the community can expect from this. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and much more coming up right now on Destination Linux.
2: So this week in the community feedback, Ness writes us to say, Hey, DLN crew, I believe it was Chris Lass who made a joke. I don't think that's his last name. I think it's Chris from Lass, but we'll go with it. Chris Lass. (laughs) what's your new name, Chris. Had a joke about System76 sponsoring a NASCAR stock car. And I think that got the idea stuck in my head. Still think System76 should do it officially, though. In the last year, I've fallen heavily in love with motorsports, which as a techie, I soon realized was dangerous rabbit hole because of iRacing. Unfortunately, to my knowledge, iRacing is not playable on Linux. Nonetheless, at least I could grab a skin from Trading Paints based on Linux to rep, right? No, zero search results, zero. There's definitely needs to be more Linux and open source visibility in the racing scene, and I'll be glad to lend a hand. Very limited knowledge for the GIMP tool or not. They're gonna get in there and make some racing skins for open source. Uh, they're using System76 as a primary sponsor. Felt like a no-brainer, not only because they've won my fandom through rock-solid hardware and software. Things just work, and it's amazing. And when they don't, support has gone above and beyond to help. And some, like AMD, et cetera, feel far-fetched. But at the same time, I see plenty of big-name brands plastered all over Trading Paints community. So what do I know? I do have a line in the System76 Discord as far as their approval goes. So he's trying to get uh, approval for using theirs and wants to know, Michael... If he can create DLN-related iRacing logos, he wants permission there. Mm-hmm. For formality and clarity, I'm purely a rookie racer with passion for the open-source Linux scene. I'm requesting permission to publicly publish this and use TradingPoints or TradingPaints.com for no financial gain or benefit of my own. Additionally, noting if approval would be carte blanche, logos can be used on future skin designs or only case-by-case basis. Thank you for all you guys do. What do you think, Jill? I mean, Michael and I run the company, but really everyone comes for you, so I think we should just let Jill make the decision here. Jill, okay should with we that. give permission
1: Absolutely.
2: to utilize our, what? Yeah. <laughs> How much should we charge them, Jill? $100, $100? 500? 10,000? Fine, free, fine,
0: <laughs> free. We'll we'll charge you absolutely nothing. This is interesting
2: because... Jill is too nice. Yeah, Jill is just too nice. So you have our permission on a recorded episode, which doesn't get better than this, right? Uh, To go (laughs) ahead and utilize our logos. You could use Hardware Addicts. You could use the Destination Linux. You can go and make all of these for people who do iRacing. I wasn't familiar with iRacing. Mm -hmm. I started doing some research. Looks really cool stuff out there. Like They take this serious. These are the folks that have... In a lot of cases, the full-on hardware gear, where they've got the pedals and the steering wheel wheel and the apparatuses around them to feel like (laughs) Mm -hmm. a car, like it's they get into this stuff. It's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool. uh, I I haven't played it myself, but I have seen people like talking about it that I know that have like described their experience with it, and they they've they've seemed to be addicted to it. So. (laughs)
1: Actually, um, I think iRacing will be fully playable on Linux soon. Now that Easy Anti-Cheat runs on Linux, because mm. that's been one of the big issues. Uh-huh. And I, I looked on Proton uh, DB, and it it only has a bronze rating, unfortunately. But I saw uh, people had some workarounds that will uh, uh, make the game launch and work, and that's really, really, really cool. I yeah. think it's it. I think this year you're going to see it. Run pr- running pretty well on Linux.
0: That'd be pretty cool. I would like I'd like to see that.
2: I I, I also like the name Trading Paint. So that is I such know. a
0: good yeah. name. You know, because that I don't know much name.
2: about racing, but I assume that's when, yes, when they bump they're rubbing, yeah. you know, and they bump and they such trade such paint such a good name. Yeah. yeah. It is a good name.
0: Such a good name. There.
2: Well, we're gonna have a DLN logo up there. Apparently we're just giving our <laughs> logos away for free, thanks to Jill. But Aww. there you go. No, I'm teasing Jill. That's the <laughs> right decision. I,
1: never... I realized we <laughs> hadn't talked about it, so I
2: that's that's why we knew because how kind you are that you were going to give away for free anyway so we do it yeah absolutely use those logos i can't wait to see them on tradingpaints.com i think that'll be a lot of fun and hit us up with an email if you need some different versions of the logos and things we'll see what we can do to hook you up this episode of destination linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. now's the perfect time to dive into the digital ocean their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud native apps way less money. With that platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever before using a simple and intuitive interface. It is one of the greatest interfaces out there. If you've tried other cloud providers and you feel lost, come to DigitalOcean. In fact, they're going to give you $100 here to try it, and you're going to see how awesome their interface is to interact with. And they also have 5,000 cloud agnostic tutorials. So you'll never get lost with whatever project you're working on. And you can simply point App Platform, which is one of their newer services uh, to your GitHub or GitLab repository. And it's going to do all of the work for you, all of the heavy lifting, whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, container images, whatever it is, you can just point your application there and let it go. And by running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower. So as a Destination Linux listener and a member of the DLN community, you're going to get that $100. And here's how you're going to do it. You're going to open your browser. You're going to go to do.dotco/dln. That's do.dotco/dln, And there you're going to see right there when you sign up $100 credit to try on droplets, a bunch of little droplets, one big droplet. It's all there for you, $100 to try. Thanks to DigitalOcean, and we want to thank DigitalOcean especially for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux.
0: This week on Destination Linux, we invited everyone's favorite hacker and friend of the show, Bo Weaver, back on the show to talk about with uh, talk with us about the Log4j vulnerability that's all over in the news. Bo, welcome back to the
2: show. We have missed you. Thank you for coming back.
3: Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Hi, Bo. We,
2: Love. We had everyone in the community <laughs> asking, where's Bo Weaver? When's Bo yep. coming back? And what time could be better to bring Bo back than during this log 4j disaster <laughs> that's yeah. kind of going on right now. Uh, before we get into the discussion, I want to lay some <clears throat> foundation for what we're going to talk about in the interview and Bo correct me if I'm wrong because I've been trying to follow this thing, but little some of it's a little over my head but essentially log 4j or log 4 shell is just a vulnerability in the Apache log 4j library. And it impacts pretty much everything across all platforms, Raspberry Pis, Linux, Windows, printers, network servers, the whole gamut of devices can be impacted by this vulnerability. And it allows hackers, bad hackers, not good hackers like you, but bad hackers to get in and run Mm -hmm. any code on vulnerable machines or hack into applications directly. You do not have to have physical access. You know, sometimes we see these vulnerabilities and they're kind of hyped up. You'd have to... Have an hour in front of the machine with nobody around, and then maybe you could use the vulnerability. Whereas this one can be remotely executed, and it's some type of exploit on the messaging system and discovered in a Minecraft server or something along those lines. Give us some information about this thing.
3: <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're pretty you're you're pretty right on what you were saying there. It's a, it's a lot more than just Tomcat and Minecraft. Anything is running Java. What it is that it's in the class file that does logging in Java. This is the one thing I don't understand: is is you know when you're, you know logging, all you're supposed to be doing is putting an output to a text file. Why somebody thought that it was a good idea to be able to run code while you're you're logging. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> so this is
2: similar then to like SQL injection where you could put commands into, you know, into the space that's supposed to be just for reading logs and things. And it's going to go ahead and execute that command with, I think, pseudo writes. Like it's, yeah. if you're in, Linux. well,
3: not with pseudo rights. It depends on, on what the search, if you do it on a, on a Linux server and, and you are right, you can take this one line string and like paste it in a, uh, a username login field. You can put this in there, and it, when you hit it, you hit the submit button, it will run that one line command on that machine. And what this does is it works off of LDAP, RMI, and DN and DNS. It'll do a lookup mm-hmm. of it using any of those three protocols. The big one that most people are using is LDAP. So if you set up an attacking LDAP server. And then you paste this command into a victim website or run it at the shell or run it at a shell level. What it'll do is is it'll make a call back to that LDAP server. And then the LDAP server can hand it a payload and run that payload on the machine. And if the payload is like a module to set up a, a reverse shell connection, You've got a reverse shell. There's several uh, YouTube videos out there that show how to exploit this in just three easy commands. Bang! You own the machine. Uh, now, like I was saying, on Linux, you just get in there under www-data or Apache or whatever that that user account is that's running a Tomcat. But on Windows, it's especially vulnerable because on Windows, when you install Apache or Tomcat or JBoss, you're running at system level. So when you run this exploit, yes, you are at system level, and you completely own that machine at this time. Mm. Yeah, what happens here is Log4J supports, by default, a logging feature called Message Lookup Substitution, this feature enables certain special spr- strings to be replaced at the time of logging by other dynamically generated strings. It has been discovered that one of these lookup methods, specifically the JNDI lookup paired with LDAP protocol, will fetch a specified Java class from a remote source and deserialize it and execute it. And that's what happens here is... Is is. When you run this string, it will make a call to that attacking server, an LDAP call to that attacking server. But instead of doing an LDAP lookup, the LDAP server will then upload a payload to the to the victim machine and run it. So,
2: Bo, uh-huh. Linux is vulnerable to this. Windows, as you said, is more yes. vulnerable because yes. of the permission any, system. Any machine
3: running Java, Java. May ha- yeah. yeah, may have this exploit in it. And I have included... And I, I've been fighting this. We spent about ten days with our, for our clients fighting this, trying to figure out how to, to protect from it, and also how to to uh, detect it. Uh, what we did at work was, is I set up an attacking server, and we ran an attack mm-hmm. string. Now, the attacking server I set up the payload was benign. That we sit there. Really, all it was was a text file that that wrote back to the machine. You've been pwned. <laughs> so we weren't sending a payload or our cut that was the payload was it was just come back said you've been pwned. The main thing is is just update your, your system. Mm-hmm. Because there's been three or four updates and really right now I would do weekly if you're running a web server or something that's running Java, I would do weekly updates for about the next month to make sure this is taken care of because it's still not been fully patched. They're still finding other ways mm-hmm. to get into it. And it's been a month now, but still I've been seeing new, new forms of this coming up and new patches coming out.
0: It sounds like it's only on the server end and not on the regular desktop user. So if you're using Linux for the desktop, are you, is there a possibility for being affected by that?
3: This is only server-based or anything? Yeah, well, it, well, you could say, you know, like you said, Raspberry Pi could be vulnerable because you right. run these really as many servers these days. But if you install as, the stuff, that yeah, as like, far ratchet. as like building a drive-by payload to hit somebody that's like you know just running their laptop, uh, this is not really a vulnerability for that. You, you don't have to worry about that. And
0: it's still like I think we should probably mention that uh, this is an. It's important to keep in mind that this topic is developing like very quickly. So mm-hmm. the narrative around this what you need to ongoing. do, and, yeah, it's yeah. going it could change and, at any time.
3: One scary thing that happened is is this affected a lot of security tools. But still, I mean, this affected so many security products that, you know, here's the the applications that's supposed to be protecting you. But now they're the hole in your network. No, no.
2: (laughs) So, Bo, talking about this vulnerability with big services like those who rely on Amazon Web Services or Google Services or Oracle or IBM or anybody else out there, What should they be doing right now? Should they trust that, you know, AWS is taking care of this for them? Or what are some of the mitigations there?
3: The only thing you do is go by your provider's word. And hopefully that they're they're on it.
2: With this type of hack, once they get in, Bo... What are some of the things they can do? Are they limited in some of the execution, or can they hijack your entire machine, take all your files?
3: They can hijack um, your entire machine. Everything. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the ransomware gangs are starting to use this to uh, run ransomware on network. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thought. I mean, that's, we've, we've seen a couple of attempts just a week afterwards of people trying to run ransomware payloads using this, this attack.
2: Well, this year has been something else when it comes to vulnerabilities. This one's the the worst I think we've seen this year, at least that's made on my radar. But there's Yeah, this been... is the
3: worst that I've seen this year.
2: Is there anything else we need to tell the community about this particular vulnerability or vulnerabilities that we could expect to see coming up this year? We hope this is a better year than last year, but what are some things on the horizon we should be looking out for? Because we are seeing a lot more vulnerabilities now that impact Linux. Whereas before, it just seemed a lot of it was Windows. Now we're seeing them, that they're hitting all infrastructures, whether you're Apple, Mac, Windows. It's-
3: well, hopefully this will be the last of the Java. You know, I kind of worry that, you know, like it, like it happened like t- about 10 years ago, they found this one vulnerability, which led to another vulnerability, and we ended up with a year of Java exploits. So I'm hoping this doesn't lead to th- this. You know, and what I'm seeing right now is they pretty well got this under control and got it patched. Uh, The one thing that worries me is is the amount of ransomware that is happening these days. It seems like that's gotten to be the major thing.
2: Because they're making tons of money off of it. A lot of these Mm -hmm. ransomwares are getting paid because there is no way to work around it. And so they're just secretly paying them.
3: Yeah, the biggest way around that is is back up your stuff. Because that's the easiest way to get out of it. Uh, We've had a a couple of clients get hit by ransomware. And luckily, we do very serious backups where I'm working at now. So we were able to save our clients' networks.
2: Yeah, so it's going to continue. I think you're right that that's the big thing to look out for this year. And your advice, I think, is solid. Back up everything that you're doing. With backups that are offline so that the ransomware doesn't spread to them. Multiple If you backups. have all
3: of your devices online, yeah. then at least not three. a lot of good. <laughs> if you're running virtual machines, snapshotting things every day.
2: Well, mm-hmm. Bo, as usual, you are a wealth of knowledge. We are so happy Yay. to have you back on the show. We're glad you're feeling better and back in the community. Missed the heck out of you. And me and you got to get together outside the show and have lunch again. Real
3: Yeah, yeah. Anytime, anytime. And it's it's really good to be here. And sorry I've been away for a while. But like I said, I got this new job and it keeps me busy.
2: Well, we're going to have you back on real soon. And I expect with everything going on, we'll have a lot of exciting new hacks and vulnerabilities to talk to you about. Yeah, 2022. <laughs>
0: This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Bitwarden is an awesome password manager allowing you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. And how does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with multiple types of tools. So you got the secured vault so you can store all your passwords, an auto generator so you can generate passwords, and also an ability to automatically fill in those passwords on login forms. So you don't have to do any of this stuff, which is just awesome. But in addition to that, you can also get the data across many different types of devices whether it's your web browser, mobile apps, desktop applications, or even on the command line. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. And you can get started for free by going to bitwarden.com/dln. But I think you want to check out their premium account because it starts at less than a dollar per month. That's right, less than a dollar per month gets you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, priority customer service, so much more, including Bitwarden Sync service. So tons of great stuff. So make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started with your account. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux.
2: By the way, did you hear that LastPass had this big vulnerability that got hit? And in my Patreon chat, everyone was like, thank you for telling us about Bitwarden. I'm on Bitwarden. I don't have to worry about (laughs) this vulnerability out there. But for all the LastPass users, this is just more reason. Apparently some news hit this week of why you should be utilizing Bitwarden out there instead of LastPass or some other password manager. So there's some interesting news that happened in the open source community. In fact, this just broke like the day before we recorded today on Sunday, and it caught my attention because it's kind of been going around social media. Joshua Strobel, the co-lead of Solus and lead designer of Budgie, has resigned from Solus. Uh, We'll have a link in the show notes for the reasons that he gave, which appear to focus on some concerns with behavior of other members and things. But I have to really respect the letter that he put out there because he specifically said, I'm not going to go into details and air all the dirty laundry, but there are some disagreements with a member. Those disagreements with that member continued on and he just decided it's time to kind of move on to something else. But the good news is that the work on Budgie is still going to continue. So Josh does a lot of work on Budgie Desktop. In fact, I think that was one of his main focuses with Solus. Yeah,
0: that was yeah. one of his main focuses. But also, what's really interesting about this, like the thing that I was really excited about it, because when people were worried about the what's going to happen with Budgie, because uh, the the whole announcement a few weeks ago about changing from uh, the Budgie using GTK, then Budgie switching to EFL, uh, which is the Enlightenment Foundation Libraries, that that was going to be what's going to happen with that, and it seems like that's still still on the on the cards to do that. And they're going to be doing an organization for Budgie where they've uh, asked other uh, distributions like Ubuntu Budgie and Endeavor OS and others to kind of join in the efforts to work on a Budgie as a separate thing, which I think is pretty interesting because a lot of the times when people would talk about like, which one is a better experience of Budgie? Is it Solus or is it Ubuntu Budgie and that kind of thing? So I think that it's a a great idea to split it off into an organization anyway, regardless if it was, you know, whether he was staying with Solus or not. I think that's a, a really good idea to have all of these different distributions working together to improve it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so Budgie's going to continue. He's stepping down from Solus, but Solus isn't going away either. I think the team put out there on social media today, was it Beverly or someone uh from the Beatrice. Solus team, Beatrice mm-hmm. reached out in in social media and said they're just going to restructure some of the work things. So if you're a Solus user, don't worry, it doesn't sound like Solus is going anywhere and Josh is continuing the work on Budgie. Uh, but stepping away from the Solus team directly, but he also said something else that was really interesting, and that is that he plans to partner back up with Ikey to work on Serpent OS. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was that
1: happy to hear that. <laughs> Me too, because
2: yeah. Ikey has been. If if you haven't been following Serpent OS, Ike actually does YouTube live streams, and I lurk there. I never say anything, you know, because uh, I just like watching him code because he's a genius coder and watching him kind of build some of these build this whole entire Linux distro out for himself. And not a lot is known about Serpent OS yet, at least, you know, from my research and things, but Mm -hmm. he wants, you know, his goal for Serpent OS is for you to be able to take control of your own computer, get the most from your hardware, enjoy a reliable experience, improve your experience behind the scenes, develop and contribute fast and efficiently, a thriving community. You know, a lot of the things that a lot of people look for when they're creating a distro and a community there. But he also mentions being cutting edge. So I'm kind of interested to see, is this going to be like a semi-rolling distro, kind of like a fedora or a full rolling distro, kind of like an arch? I mean, he's not going to be basing it on any of those, but is it going to be similar to those when he talks about cutting edge for being able to use the latest and greatest hardware and things like that Mm -hmm. in the distro? But one thing I know for sure is Ike and Josh together working on something again? Yay. Sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah.
0: It's very interesting because for those who don't know, uh, Ike was the creator of Solus, which originally was Evolve OS or, and then it was changed into Solus and then uh, Josh joined the team and worked with him there uh, and then now having them come back together to, to see what they're going to be doing is be very interesting to see what happens with uh, Serpent OS and where, where, you know, I'm also very curious what the what it means by cutting edge because uh, mm-hmm. I think that approach is kind of like my uh, preference. Like it's, it's rolling but not so fast rolling. It's kind of like You know, like a hybrid,
2: cutting edge, but not razor edge. Yeah, (laughs) I want (laughs) it to be
0: not. I don't don't want it to be the bleeding edge. I just want it to be like right before it bleeds. Bleeding edge, (laughs) the bleeding edge, (laughs) cutting
2: edge.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) But it's really interesting that they're doing this.
1: Yeah, Budgie um, actually is one of my favorite desktops for for my laptops. Um, I've got several distros with Budgie running on the laptops because it's it's great for that
0: yeah i think budgie is very nice yeah it's a it's a nice combination of like out of the box polish with a little bit of modifications now it's not Mm -hmm. like you can't do a ton of customizations like other des but the out of the box experience is very nice so you don't for a lot of people you don't have to change that much
1: yeah and this would be interesting seeing it uh, being coated with enlightenment really interesting it's kind of like, it's kind of like system 76 uh, moving to rest. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <absolutely. laughs> That'd be
0: interesting too. But like the, the yeah. thing about that, there's some people kind of worried about like, what does this mean for budgie? Uh, because the EFL change is going to be a big change. And because they're doing an organization, I think it's more like, I was kind of worried about the EFL change because it's such a massive change that it requires an entire rewrite of the whole mm-hmm. desktop environments. Like, is it going to be the same experience for the user? Like what's the like the 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 amount of effort that's gonna be required to do this change and that sort of thing? But knowing that they're actually contacting the other distributions who are working on it, like Ubuntu Budgie and a Denver OSer, are putting an effort in to make this kind of a collective effort is a, is a really good idea. And I'm 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 now very excited to see what could come from this because there's a lot that of- What was the
2: genius move from Joshua, in my opinion here? Seeing that. He's creating this organization and is going to invite these individuals like Ubuntu mm-hmm. Budgie and Endeavour in to work on this together. I see major innovations coming from that type yeah, of collaboration absolutely. occurring because I know there's been some, you know, disconnect between Ubuntu Budgie and what they're doing right. and what Budgie's doing over here with Solus in the past, but inviting all those folks together and getting them to collaborate and work Uh, There's some really genius people over there in the Ubuntu Budgie team that can do some awesome things and in the Endeavor team as well. I'm really excited for the future of Budgie. So from that perspective, I think this is going to be a great thing. I think from a Solus perspective, this could be a good thing as well. Solus Mm -hmm. now has a chance to kind of look back. I don't know what happened. I don't have the details and Joshua didn't give it to us. But this gives them a chance to look back at the organization, the contributors, see if there's something they want to change and do some different things with Solus that maybe they weren't able to do before. So I think from all perspectives, sometimes it's good to have some personnel changes and things move around uh, from time to time. And I think it's really good news for Serpent OS as well to mm-hmm. have somebody with Joshua's skill uh, back in there with Ike working together because we saw what they could do with Solus back in the day. So.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely. I think awesome. that's I think that's a really good point. I mean, there's there, there's potential to be positive for all the everything around here. Uh, and also I think that it's really cool because like last week we talked about my experience with ultra wide and I got a lot of comments mm-hmm. about like tiling is a solution and while I do think tiling is good, uh, I, I actually was really ex- interested about this particular piece because of Ubuntu Budgie's uh, Ubuntu Budgie's Window Shuffler, which is a tiling uh, is a tiling system that's built into the Ubuntu Budgie, but it's not really like a Budgie thing. So it's yeah. it's, it's really cool that this this is like. It's, it's that there's a potential for this collaboration effort. And plus also maybe like other distributions could, you know, implement Budgie more because like, for example, Fedora could make Fudgie, which is like Fedora. <laughs>
2: oh, come on, Michael. on no. Michael. No, no Fudgie. No Fudgie, just Budgie. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. Budgie was one of your favorites, Jill. I'll be honest with you. I haven't used Budgie in a really long time. It's probably been years at this point since I've played with Budgie but I remember back in the day when I was working with Dustin or he was working with the mm. Ubuntu Budgie team and I would talk a lot with Dustin about the window tiling because I was big into i3 at that time and we were yeah. sharing ideas of how it could work. I loved what they did with Shuffler. I thought it was a brilliant implementation of a very simple tiling tool that anybody could utilize and start working in versus you know, i3 and these others. You have to learn all of these various key combinations right up front You have configuration files to mess with, which can be confusing to certain people depending on your level in Linux, where Shuffler just made it open for everybody. I thought it was a brilliant way of doing tiling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just just easy for the average user. And also, uh, they have come so far with with Plank. Uh, really amazing. I remember in those early years, there were, were tons of paper cuts, and now they have just cleaned up all the menus, and it's, it's beautiful. It really is.
2: Give Budgie another try here. I've got these new monitors, <laughs> which we'll talk about on Hardware Addicts, because Michael has them too. So we're not going to give any hints here. We got some new monitors, new new monitor Ooh, for Michael because he had Ultra, yeah. but he's gone to something different. <laughs> yeah. I've gone to something different. I'm gonna have to try out Budgie and see how it looks on these because that's a great. There's some idea. issues with scaling and GNOME that I'm running into. Mm-hmm. That, uh, mm-hmm.
0: not well, scaling close. in in uh, yeah. high high res monitors, uh, it's a uh, it's a task. It's a task it's on on Windows question. too. By the way, just for be so people, yeah. are, it's it's still a task everywhere.
2: You know, I mean, you are the expert in Windows, so think of us <laughs> <I> know that. <laughs> I've heard,
0: Brian. (laughs) I have heard that it's bad. I got him, (laughs) Jill. Did you hear how good I got him? There's something else
1: kind of significant. I I was just thinking about this while we were talking. Is that Budgie moving over to Enlightenment? That's huge, especially for multi-monitor support. Because Enlightenment, if all of you don't know, was the 1st X ex-window manager that had multi-monitor support it was always way ahead and that's one of the reasons i still love enlightenment
0: there's actually a really cool feature of enlightenment that a lot of people aren't aware of that it, i think it's the only i mean it's not a de it's a window environment as i've decided yeah. to coin it but it's mm-hmm. it's the only one i know of other than like tiling window managers that that have this feature uh, being able to do independent workspaces per monitor Yes. So you can actually Absolutely. have a you know your monitors not switching all at the same time. You can have one switch and like depending on like how many configurations you can even have like two on one monitor, three on another monitor. Like there's a lot of great uh, b- possibilities. There's a lot of potential for Budgie if they could implement that sort of stuff. That'd be really cool mm-hmm. too because be- Enlightenment has a lot of really interesting approaches to how they do uh, workflows.
1: And it's just it's this beautiful uh, desktop that's somewhere in between, you know, window maker and XFCE. It runs so fast. It's a good in-between really? uh, as far as memory management goes and mm-hmm. speed, it's just really slick.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> so many exciting things coming yeah. for 2022 <laughs> out there. So if you want to, you can follow Ike OS's channel and watch him code live on YouTube. I find it fascinating. He uses Visual Studio Code, by the way. We had mm-hmm. that, uh, that episode about IDEs and what people were using. Uh, so you can see that. So we'll see some development there. You can follow Joshua and see what work he's doing on Budgie and, of course, the Solus team out there as well and see some of the changes that's going to happen. One thing's for sure, changes in the air. And I think some of this stuff looks like it's going to be ultimately good for the Linux community.
1: So while we've covered this awesome game in the past, we just have to talk about Splitgate again in our gaming session yeah, we today. Do. Yes, yeah, we, we do. Can. So Matt played it with Dos Geek on the charity stream, and Michael and Ryan have been playing it on random streams. In fact, uh, make sure to watch Michael and Ryan's Christmas Eve game stream of Splitgate on the Dos channel. We had Geek a Christmas channel. special.
2: Yes, we did. You now, did. Jill, what you, know you
1: mention... <laughs> <laughs> what you failed to mention on Christmas,
2: <laughs> what you failed to mention in your <laughs> intro to that game, Jill, <laughs> is the fact that. Uh, I'm better than Michael and better than Matt in this game. I mean I'm, I found aww. that shocking. I don't I well, don't think that that's how it happened
0: uh, yeah. based on the if you if people go back and watch the video on Ryan's channel about uh, our gameplay, you'll see that I'm typically the better player. Well I ran uh, into a
2: lot of lag and input yeah. issues and um, sound aww. problems but if you minus all of that out, was funny. Uh, the <laughs> gameplay was terrible. <laughs> to, be well, to, to be fair, we were all yeah. like,
0: to be prepared. like the, the the room was kind of like interesting because sometimes we would play with people who are on the same skill level and we would actually have like uh, trade back and forth who's at the top, yeah. who's not, like you know, that kind of thing. And then we sometimes got into games where people were like just destroying us and it was yeah. who, who didn't die as much. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly.
1: Well, on the Christmas Eve stream, Michael hadn't, you know, played it before That's and true. had to go through training first before he could uh, frag Ryan. You know, that was a thing.
2: (laughs) You did have to go through training, but you did did pretty good. And this game is so fascinating because it's portal and halo combined, and you've got to create these portals, but that allows you to do some really neat trick shots. So you could create a portal, you know, on one side of the map and the other side of the map. So you could be shooting people through the portal from opposite sides of the map and get behind people and things like that. Mm. And Michael would fall for all the tricks. <laughs> Not
0: like, even any. So here's here's really what happened to this game. It was, it was so fun because of this concept of the gates, the portal <laughs> system and the yeah. po- portal versus, like por- portal plus Halo. Such an interesting concept. And uh I think it's a fantastic game and it's so cool. But... I almost never used the portals. Like I was very rarely using the portals cuz I just haven't got the mechanic right yet. Yeah, so I was just, just a I was just going the first person shooter route and I noticed some people trying to get behind me with the portals. So I would just see them trying to like do this thing and they were running away and all of a sudden they're coming back like, "No, no, no. I know what you're doing." So I come back and get them and like, "Haha, I used your portal portals against
2: you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> T- try
1: I saw I saw Michael uh, aiming at Ryan through one of the portals. Really, Michael? <laughs> yeah.
2: I we need to go back and watch your own videos. I you, think that's possible. You betray our friendship. I think it's possible. Lie. But uh I tried. This, this is oh, such wow. a fun game to play. Jill, how do you how much yeah. do you like Splitgate?
1: Oh, so I haven't played it multiplayer yet. I've gone through the tutorial and I want to play yes, with we you take guys. Cuz I, <laughs> I want to play with you guys. Um I actually well Actually, I did play with randos, so you can do that. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I wanted to kind of wait to play it with multiplayer with my Destination Linux family. Awesome! <laughs> I love. It. We definitely need to do that. Everyone's so... gonna
2: hate us though if we win. Like, if you take out Jill, is there any glory in that? Like, <laughs> no. I, I think, mean, I think she's. Like, we do like she's you. Right. In. Let Jill kill you. <laughs> I think she's just
0: kind of like stealthily, like, yeah, yeah, you you, you guys think that you're good, but you'll see, you'll see, right?
1: <laughs> Aww. <laughs> So, yeah, Splitgate is not only an amazing game to play, but it is free to play on Steam. Yeah, and that's And playable amazing. on Linux from day one. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah, the, being on that Linux day one, thank you so much for doing that. That's fantastic. And also the mm-hmm. fact that it's free to play and it's such a cool game. Like... that. Those you know usually when I see a free to play game they're usually they're they're not that great especially when they first start coming out or whatever. Yeah. This is a completely uh, like pivot from well, that. It's like a AAA game. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So there you go, grab all your friends, go together, create portals, frag them just, and or just join and subscribe to our channels cuz you never know when Michael and I and Jill now <laughs> might just randomly <laughs> pop up with the game stream out there, so you got to be subscribed I'd love for that. To.
0: We also give you a lot of great tutorials about how to uh, uh, how not play that play. game. No, we we, t- we tell you we tell you exactly what to do and what not to do. I mean, we're wrong when we tell you this stuff, but we do say it.
2: <laughs> we do tell you, but at least attempt to. Well, if you're not into gaming, then the software spotlight this week is going to be perfect for you, especially if during the holidays you acquired yourself a 3D printer. Mm. I love this mm. software. It's one of my favorite pieces of software like on the planet and I fall in love with it every time I go out there and try to use my 3d printer again, because at times I'll go a month or two without using my 3d printer. And then I need something like I needed a holder for a router and I needed 3d print it. And I was like, Oh man, I've got to go through all this. Oh no, I set up Octopi and it's all ready to go for me right off the bat Mm -hmm. because it just, it's always ready to go. That's the great thing about Octopi. So, That's our software spotlight is Octopi. What you can do is install this on a Raspberry Pi and from any browser, any of your computers on your network, you can open up that browser, get onto Octopi and it controls your 3D printer. So I can send images up for it to print for me. I can monitor my 3D printer and look at the the heat from the head or the bed itself and make sure everything's running optimally right there from octopi i think even people have set up cameras so that they can monitor the 3d printer from mm-hmm. a camera too as well through this thing but it's such well written software and it's that software that just constantly works no matter how many months you forget about it or whatever it'll update and it's there and it's perfect and you can access your 3d printer and do the things you need to do and then not think about it again till you need it and that's what I love about Octopie. Now, personally, I use the longer LK4 3D printer, which I like a lot, works really good with Cura, works really good in open source. Um, and I might do a video on that in the future. Mm. Jill, I have a feeling you've messed with 3D printers in the yeah, past. Yeah,
1: I, I sure have. Um, I did play with Octopie, like when it came out, I think it was like 2018 and it was powerful then. So I'm, you know, looking forward to playing with it again. But yeah. I have uh, played with quite a few 3D printers. Yeah, but this and it, one looks it, like the best open source. <laughs> it is and it's, it's open source, and it's very
2: well maintained. There's lots of patches. They have really good release notes that come up to tell you, Hey, there's mm-hmm. a new version. Here's what's coming in it really active community. It's just great software. So Octopi go check it out.
0: This week's tip of the week. I wanted to take, give you some tips about dolphin file manager. Now, this is because it's kind of inspired me based on a video that uh, the Linus the Tech Tips was doing these videos about a Linux challenge, and I did some reaction videos. In the third video, my last one I did, uh, I did a lot of accidental tips about how to use Dolphin. So if you want to see... Uh, some cool tips that are in that are not going to be featured here, but you want some extra ones, go check out that video. I have linked linked in the show notes. But I wanted to give you some cool things that I thought about after I had done the video and realized it was an accidental tutorial for Dolphin. Well, there's some stuff I didn't mention that are just awesome. So I wanted to put it in the show. So first of all, I wanted to tell you about the split view option. So you can actually have two different win- uh, basically tabs, but there's it's split into like one folder and another folder side by side. You can easily move files back and forth and and uh, you could do that through tabs, but you can also have it in the same window, which is just really cool. And to activate that, you just hit the key F3. And that's it. Also, just nice. a real quick one. You can also really quickly rename any file or folder by selecting it and hitting F2 on your keyboard, which applies to uh, a lot of applications, but it also works here. And then there's another, app, another feature inside of Dolphin that is able, able to use the F4 function key to open a terminal. That's right. A terminal inside uh, of awesome. Dolphin. So what yeah, ha- favorite. It's such a great <laughs> so it allows you to have a terminal really easily access. You, remember am thinking like, well, I could just have a drop down terminal or you know that kind of thing. The extra thing that makes this valuable is that there it, the terminal is constantly uh, tracking you and following you as you go through different folders. So instead of having to do CD and then go to the folder you want, every time you click around inside of Dolphin, the terminal below is following you as you go. So you don't have to worry about making sure you're in the right folder when you run a command or run a script or whatever. It's just fantastic. And then the last one I want to tell you is that when you open Dolphin, you'll see like the list of like the breadcrumb style of showing you the different folders you're in. And you can hit control L on your keyboard and that will activate the location bar, which will show you the actual path to those folders. So there's four uh, Dolphin file miniature tips. And if you want some more, check out the link to that reaction video I made in the show notes.
2: There's also some news that will make Bo very happy with Dolphin in that there's finally root file operations coming mm-hmm. in yes. Dolphin. Yeah. Is That's coming. pretty exciting as well. well.
0: They haven't said when it's going to be happening, but it is coming, Coming, so I'm very excited.
2: Well, as far as Linux events this week, uh, and a special thanks to Hands from the community Aww. who sends a lot of these every week in email to us to make sure that we cover. Uh, you've got Fostum coming up February 5th and 6th. Of 2022 now, I gotta get used to saying 2022. It's I know, be a weird. while That's I'm weird. gonna write 2021 <laughs> on checks and everything for a while here. But Fostum is a free event for software developers to meet, share ideas, and collaborate. Every year, thousands of developers, free and open source software all over the world, gather. And this year, of course, because everything going on in the world, it's online. So if you've never been able to attend in person before, you can check out attending virtually in f- this year for Fostum. And then of course we have Linux Fest Northwest. I know nobody here knows anything about Linux Fest <laughs> Northwest, right Jill?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um I've been Michael,
2: you've been to Linux Fest Northwest as well. Yep. This, I have. Did you like this conference? It was it was a fun conference. It was it's been
0: many years since I've been there because it is mm. across the country for me. But I did go and I did enjoy my time there. So it is it is a fun conference. Uh, and I think if you were if you're interested in going checking it out, it makes it a lot easier because this year it's going to virtual. be virtual only. Yeah. So anybody can attend from anywhere. You have
2: no excuse not to be there this year, Michael. They can have a virtual <laughs> Michael. The Michael AI. <laughs> yeah. can be there you also have no excuse interact. not to be there. So <laughs> well. I'm really busy that day. No, I'm not. I would love to be there. Uh, April 22nd through the 24th, if you want to join Linux Fest Northwest, you got presentations and exhibits of free open source topics. So, a really fun one to be a part of. And of course, Scale. Uh-huh. And Scale is happening this year. It's the 19th annual Southern California Linux Expo. Jill's putting on her penguin hat uh, to celebrate, <laughs> taking place on March 3rd through the 6th of 2022. And this one isn't virtual, right? You can, yeah. so far anyways, it's going to be in person.
1: Keeping our fingers crossed. Yes. Very
2: nice.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, I want to mention also, uh, Dare Hans, who has been providing all this wonderful news uh, about uh, our conventions and events. He's actually a friend of mine and a huge supporter and friend of the Linux Chicks of Los Angeles. Awesome. In fact, he's donated quite a bit to our organization and he's awesome. also um, a great speaker at many conventions, including Scale. He he does Scale uh, a talk at Scale almost every year, so don't miss his talks. They're very excellent. Actually, some of the best talks have been Dare Hans's talks.
2: <laughs> very cool. Wow. <laughs> well, he also s- takes the time to send us all of these events yeah. the email. We really appreciate all of his work there. So there you go. We've got 2022 with three awesome events that you can attend. Uh, coming up. So mark your calendars for those. And a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at DLNLive.com. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. And we can't wait to see you in the chat And then we also have our glorious patrons in their 60,000 square foot virtual stadium. They get to hang out with us. Mm -hmm. They get to watch the video. They don't have the delays and things that YouTube is. And they also get the patron after chat after the show each week.
0: Yeah, and also, if you want to become a patron, you go to destinationlinux.org slash Patreon to sign up, and you get all those perks. And I got to say, the patron post show this week Mm -hmm. is going to be so awesome to have Mm -hmm. Bo there, so I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And also, if you want to get some swag, you can go to dealinstore.com to pick up some swag. We have uh, T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all sorts of stuff. Jill's
2: collected it all like Pokemon. (laughs) Look at that. Jill has everything from the store.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Love it. And there's, there's so much great stuff there, so check it out, dealinstore.com.
2: Well, Michael, before we before we continue on, what's happening with Jill's shirt? Oh, my what God. is happening, and when will Jill's shirt be available? Okay, so this is big drama in the open
0: source community. It is big drama, especially for the show. It's it's interesting that you brought it up because I was going to try to skirt it under the rug and just kind of ignore it. it I but,
2: saw you trying uh, to try go. Okay, it, but nah.
0: okay. Uh, th- unfortunately, there's this weird issue with this uh, the Jill shirt being in review, and it's been in review for like two or three weeks. weeks now. I don't know why it's still there. I, I've I, I've asked them about it and they were like, hey, just wait longer. And like, that's not helpful. Ultimately, we're just going to be switching to a different uh, store system and not even using the ones because they're at this point, we don't even know how to fix this or even what's wrong because they haven't remotely... Like
2: it's amazing anything. to make Contact. money for these companies. Yeah. You sell this merchandise, and then their customer service is so bad, and they don't care. That stuff just shocks me. But you know what? The great thing is, we have choice, and we're just going to move to a different provider. Yep. And then get Jill's shirt up. So, exactly. what's the status on
0: that, Michael? I think I'm safe to say that that shirt, the new sh- the, the new Jill shirt, will be up. At least by tomorrow. It might even be today, but it-
2: I heard today. So today, go get your- <laughs> I said it might be. Uh, might but- be. I don't hear the might when you say might. I just, it will be. My bad. Awesome. My bad. (laughs) Well, Jill, your shirt is coming. Probably the company didn't want to even put it out there because they don't have that many shirts to print. They're going to sell so many of them. Exactly. But this new company is ready to print the Jill shirts.
1: Oh, cool. So make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on the Destination Linux Network. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the Dust Geek Channel, DLX Extend, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and get your Fedora hat on with the Fedora podcast. So everyone head to DestinationLinux.network and subscribe to all these great shows and don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app it could be a star or a heart or a thumbs up so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full monty of linux and open source awesome sauce
2: yeah hey michael you know what what's that there's another show that's coming that we didn't put in the notes here coming to be part of the destination linux family. oh
1: yes that is true Woo-hoo. What is
2: the new name of that show that's coming to the Destination Links family? Are we ready to we announced that? I'm not right? sure. I, I'm not sure if it's announced that the. Hmm, that's a good question. So
0: we have a new show that's coming, that's joining the network, and it's it's got a fun name. And um, I don't know if we've announced the new name. I think we have announced that it's joining. I don't know if we've announced a new name yet. So. Are we going to do it now? <laughs> we'll hold off on that. But
2: there's new stuff coming in 2022. Lots we have a lot of
0: awesome stuff coming in 2022. There's actually, uh, 2022 is hard to say, apparently. Uh, but th- <laughs> I think is. there's a, like, there's, you're going to, everybody's going to love all the stuff that's coming because we have, we have a lot of changes and they're all good changes. Usually when you hear like, oh, there's got like a pros and cons. No, no, no. They're all good. I'm super excited awesome. about this. More time, stuff. More for sure. <laughs> yes. And we get with so much planned and, uh, but for now, everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important
2: as a destination.
3: Thanks, everyone. (laughs) See you next week.